0: what is up my dudes it's arlen walker and i am live from pelham's wasteland and today i have got another episode for you guys which is wild three episodes in three days what uh, absolute ridiculousness um anyway in all seriousness i have a number of calls about recent episodes And I uh, decided I wanted to respond to them. And so, yeah, I'm going to respond to calls and uh, probably get into a little bit of rambles at the end um, based on the uh, kind of various things that have been going on with me and that I have been sort of talking a little bit about. But, you know, I want to expand on and all of that. So anyway... Uh yeah, let's get into it.
1: Hey, ARL and Jason here, two minutes into episode three 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 point thirty three A. I think that's right. Um part one of your call in episode. And I wanted to let you know that I'm sorry I call in so much and I'll see what I can do to alleviate that. Okay, let me go through the episode and maybe not give you half an hour calls from it, but no promises. Jason, you uh,
0: absolutely should not be so- sorry for calling in so much. Um, for one thing, I am a notorious serial caller leaving, you know, 20 minutes of messages at, uh, uh, every once in a while for other podcasts. So it would be really the height of hypocrisy for me to be complaining about other people leaving uh messages in series on anchor. Um, and furthermore, gives me things to talk about and respond to and, and kind of, you know, get the discussion going and all that. And that's a good thing. Um, you know, it's a, it's a whole kind of thing. Um, there is a kind of small measure of what I would describe as, uh, for lack of a better term, the, the kind of buildup of material that happens. Um, but that's really on me, right? That's, that's me not kind of holding myself to my goals in terms of, uh, doing stuff on the podcast. Um, that things build up that way, not that, uh, you're calling in too much or anything like that. So anyway, I, uh, would, uh, encourage you to call in as much as you would like uh, to my podcast although maybe maybe not quite as much as uh, that that one guy who forces you to do uh, episodes of just his calls every once in a while on nerds RPG variety cast because that's always just terribly annoying can't stand that nerd
1: so Colin give you a call about Beowulf and I think that's a Look Like, that's my favorite version of 5e that I've played. Mind you, I've only played that in Adventures in Middle Earth, both both with you. All my 5e has been with you, Arlen. I've never played vanilla 5e, so maybe it's not fair to (laughs) pick a favorite. But I really like the Beowulf stuff, and I'm amazed at the amount of stuff that came out of that Kickstarter. I still get things, or, you know, up to recently, I was still getting things from the Handiwork Games, and I wasn't tracking on the that latest Kickstarter. I'll definitely have to see if I can pick up the late pledge for that. And I'll look for the annual, unless it was part of the original Kickstarter. I'm very bad with Kickstarters is I don't read the updates because I back so many darn things that I just, the updates are just end up being spam. So I don't end up reading the updates and I don't keep track with the projects. So I lose track of what's happening with the Kickstarters and lose track of all that.
0: Yeah. Beowulf is a, a lot of fun. It's a really cool, thing in my opinion. Um, I, I really um, like the way that it um, changes some of the default elements to 5e. Um, there's a very different kind of flavor in terms of magic, partly because the uh, soul class um that is is designed for uh protagonists is the the hero class which doesn't by default have any access to kind of traditional 5e magic um and there's also some cool stuff with like uh like a lot of the kind of uh stuff that would be magical is kind of uh some of the bonuses are still there but they're not necessarily from kind of magical sources. So like, there's a whole thing about like weapons that you have, like a sword, if you find it in a barrow, it gets a a bonus that's basically equivalent to like a plus one sword in normal D&D, but it sort of has to do with this idea of being this kind of ancient treasure with a a great lineage that was lost long ago sort of thing that A, very much fits in with the, the flavor of Beowulf and B is just by itself, just awesome so cool and all that sort of stuff um so yeah i would totally recommend checking out Beowulf 5e for anyone who's interested even people that uh don't like fifth edition as much i think there's a lot to be gotten from that particular uh game and and paying close attention to a number of the design elements that go into kind of uh, creating the the play structure of that game. Because I think there's some really cool stuff in there. And also there's some great just kind of like, you know, world element pieces in, in that one and in the the Beowulf annual book that you can get, um, you can find some, some really cool stuff there, you know, like random tables for uh, various kind of flavorful bits and pieces, sword name generators, all sorts of different, cool stuff and some great art from the people at Handiwork Games, especially uh, John Hodgson is the, the name that I remember, um, so I'm going to call him out specifically, um, although I think there, there's a number of other artists who contribute, it, contributed to um, the Beowulf 5e book and um, worth uh, respecting all of them as well, even if I can't remember any of their names.
1: Okay, I'm not sure. I'm on episode 3.33B is in Bravo now. I'm not sure if you're done talking about house rules or not. I am st- stopped it when I started t- in a call about evaluating games. I think for the house rules, we're more or less on the same sheet of music. I definitely plan from here on out in any game I run that I have some house rules I want to incorporate to discuss that the discussion of house rules will be part of session zero. And I'm willing to listen to players' house rules, I, and I know it sounds like I've already got my mind made up, and, and that's not totally true. I think if I was playing like AD&D, first edition, and players are like, no, we don't want level drain. Well, I appreciate what they're doing with level drain in the game. You're playing, especially when you get higher levels, the game automatically compensates to let, level, let characters catch up in levels quickly. It's built to do that. So I, I don't know that I would go with that is in I I don't know if I would you know, nerf level drain. But I do think the players' opinions are important because if it turns out the players really don't like the system, then and you figure that out in session zero, you know, we all agreed to play a game, we all agreed to play A D and D, but then when we sit down session zero, people hate actually hate A D and D just had you know, were too polite to say that earlier or whatever, I think that's the time for that to come up, not three sessions or four sessions into the game. so I think any house rules should be discussed prior to the game and you know if they're discussed before session zero great, but if not, then definitely they need to be part of the session zero thing and like the changes I did to cyberpunk for that game I discussed with everybody prior to us playing the game and we, we discussed the pros and cons and and I think they they bore out but but I think that's an important discussion. I'm with you on that it should be a joint discussion. I think potentially, and, and I agree with you. House rules tend to be a GM thing. I think not the danger, the concern with just doing an open thing. So, I actually I think house rules the fine tuning can be done in session zero, but really it needs to be discussed prior when the group is first forming and you're discussing the game you want to play and all that. Because in session zero is the the final fine tuning of it, right? Then locking down what we're going to do. And it might change in Session Zero. That's okay. But my concern is I don't want to do Session Zero and players show up with eight sheets of proposed house rules and now all of a sudden we're we're in, back in the muck, right? So that's, that's the only slight concern I would have with that. Like, oh, in my old group, we did this, this, and this, and this, this, and this. And, and one or two things is okay, or to discuss it ahead of the game is okay. But I wouldn't want the whole thing derailed because somebody has a book of house rules they want to incorporate. So in closing, I think that needs to be—that's an important consideration. Anybody, both the GM and the players, I think, should have some say in what the rules of the game are going to be, because I know I—I've had GMs that just plop the sheet of house rules in front of you, say these are the rules for my game, and there've been rules on there that I don't like. But I—I I mean, if I like the group and like the GM, I'll play the game anyway. But I—I'm—I'm I'm all in for a for discussing it together and and ultimately in the end it's not that big of a deal to me personally but i know it does matter to some people you know to a large degree um but yeah see rules is written just fixes all this though because there's no argument it's in the book what the book says is what we do <laughs> it, the older i get the less i want to argue about rules and the more i just want to play the game maybe it's because i have very little time left
0: yeah and i think those are uh worthy concerns when talking about house rules and stuff. And I I do think there's, and I think there is a sort of question sometimes, you know, you end up with a, I think we, we agree that there's the, you know, you end up with like a huge list of house rules and go, okay, well, why are you playing this game and not insert other game here that, uh, you know, the, the house rules may have come from or might fit better into or something like that. Right. Um so anyway and and I think that it's there and I, I think also it's a I I am a really big believer in being upfront about expectations like that. and also I think there is an important point about if they are not discussed now they need to be on the table to be discussed sometime, I guess is is I think a uh, an important thing for me, which is to say that I feel like uh, there's a there's a sort of saying in a lot of I see it fairly regularly in the various places with people who are uh, who like to to you know um, talk about the value of rulings over rules. That one of the things that rulings over rules does is that there's a, a speed of play that accompanies that, right? That you you know, just move on, you know, GM makes a ruling, you move on. And if there's a problem, you discuss it later. Um, and I think that is uh, actually kind of fine in a lot of ways and, and maybe even good. But simultaneously, I think there is a, uh, an important element of, you know, the, the need for that discussion later to be on the table, right? That I what I don't like is in in certain um, games that I've played that have had that kind of rulings over rules structure where the GM says I'm just going to make a ruling and we'll discuss it later if we need to kind of you know go back to it um, and then discussing it later isn't uh, on the table particularly and it's like oh so you just you just want to. Make a ruling and then be immune to criticism um, so that nobody can, uh, you know, complain about your ruling in case it doesn't actually kind of work the way you think it does or if it's not fun for the players or anything like that. And I think that gets into um, what I see as the, the issue with regard to kind of prioritizing flow of play in general, that I think that, I think that prioritizing flow of play is fine, but it also often rests on kind of particular um, assumptions or, or value judgments or things like that about um, flow of play and, and, in comparison to kind of comfort and, and upfront discussion, right? That, um, you know, for instance, the idea of like that, you know, we're all having fun. One of the things that I see uh, often is some argument like, well, we're all having fun uh, aside from you. So why are you making, why are you slowing the game down for everybody else? And I think there is, uh, uh, basically that, um, Imaginary strawman GM is using a, a uh, you know, the silent majority argument and uh, is uh, should actually, you know, ask their players if all of the other players really are having fun or if the players want to talk about things. Because I see all the time some version of GM says everybody is having fun without, you know, actually taking the chance to ask whether everybody is having fun and i think that gets into okay so you know you want to prioritize everybody's fun at the table but aren't willing to you know actually ask directly whether people are having fun with the things going and it seems to me that that often speaks to uh you know a sort of anxiety about the idea that what if they say no right that a, a gm who is behaving in that way is uh you know, perhaps uh, not not necessarily consciously, right? But even unconsciously, right, is not actually asking the rest of the table if they want to pause to talk about things or to prioritize the flow of play. Because what if the rest of the table doesn't agree with the GM, right? I think that's a, an issue, right? I think I think there's a lot of um, Bad GM behavior that um, stems from or is related to these kind of silent majority concepts, right? The, you know, if there's one player who is having an issue and their issue is brought up to the GM, that the GM may just assume that the rest of the table is on the GM's side of the argument, essentially, and that they have the the majority on their side, rather than actually kind of being upfront and asking about what the rest of the table would like to do. Um, in particular, there's a there's a uh, 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 I'm doing air quotes safety tools document on Drive through RPG that's called like OSR Safety Tools or something, and it's uh, terrible for a whole lot of reasons. Um, but one of the big ones is that it basically makes that um discussion very very explicit that it's you know if you want to leave the table that's fine but everyone else is having fun so don't bring your issues into play and that very much gets into right how would you know that everyone else is having fun without actually asking them or just you know in this case just assuming that everyone else is having fun because they haven't left the table seems to be what's going on anyway all of that is to say that yeah i'm I'm a big believer in you know, just just talk to everybody about what house rules you want to play as. And, you know, if the GM has to be the bad guy and kind of put their foot down and say, no, these are the house rules I um, that, that the game is going to go on with ultimately if I'm going to be running the game, I think, you know, be... I guess what I'm saying is, you know, if for any GM who feels strongly enough about the various kind of rules, elements that are going into their game, that they feel the need to do that. Um, don't, you know, just be prepared to, you know, be the bad guy instead of pretending somehow that uh, that's not what's going on, Right. I think that's one of the things that gets me, and that's sort of what gets me about the thing about, you know, we'll make a ruling now and discuss it later and never discussing it, is that, you know, it's this kind of weird, um, you know, a- attempt to kind of have it both ways, right, um, and that that I think is, uh, yeah, difficult to deal with for a whole number of reasons. I think I should step in for a moment again, um, having kind of let that one sit for a few minutes to say specifically that I don't think that the, the various behaviors that I was describing, um, in my opinion, I think they are uh, almost never the result of kind of maliciousness on the part of a, a GM or DM. I think that fundamentally they uh, are basically a result of uh, unexamined iterative habit forming um, and and the way in which um, kind of attempts to secure kind of comfort and uh, smooth sailing for lack of better terms when not kind of closely examined can end up doing that sort of, uh, you know, behavior that has uh, negative consequences as a result, very much like what I've been talking about in a number of recent episodes of, you know, the way in which um, discomfort can cause or be related to people uh, acting irrationally and uh, not doing a good job of of targeting the source of their discomfort but instead um getting uh responding to the kind of icon of the discomfort rather than the actual source and uh, not kind of using their um, discomfort to improve um anyway that's that's sort of a, a whole thing that I, I really don't think that the various kind of things I described are are you know, malicious attempts to, you know, knowingly control discussion around a game. I think they are basically, uh, you know, people who have some level of, uh, you know the the kind of discomfort or, Uh, However, you might want to describe it that, um, and especially the way that and I I know this very much from myself, the way that um, kind of iterative development of habits without kind of close examination and and paying attention to things, you can end up with uh, habits that uh, do not do what they're supposed to do and may even make problems worse that's just you know the habit that you're in right and i think that's a, a really important point with a lot of that that i think that you know what can happen for instance is that like a gm embraces this idea of rulings over rules and that we will make rulings and talk about them and then that kind of happens for a while and gradually the sort of talk about them becomes kind of less and less a, a part until you end up Unintentionally, but still meaningfully, in a space where you know the rulings get made, and there's not really any discussion about those rulings, and it's just you know we're playing by the rules that the GM feels like, without necessarily a lot of kind of clear discussion of what those rules are, um, and anything like that. So, anyway, um, I, I feel like I it is worth specifically saying that. Um, I You know, I don't think those behaviors have their um, roots in maliciousness at all. I think they really have their roots in, um, you know, unexamined uh, iterative habit forming, essentially.
1: As far as evaluating games, yeah, I guess I got off track there a little bit. I, I see what you're saying. I mean, it's like, like, so the red box, the Mensa red box for D&D basic set was my first RPG. And, you know, there's a lot of nostalgia built into that for that reason. I also do think it's especially at the time and since then, it's still the standard basic sets are or, you know, put up against but basic box sets are or you know, other games are held to. But yeah, before w we, we had drifted away from D and D because of the mechanics and because it wasn't a or it wasn't perceived as fun to other games prior to the, you know, first edition, well, I was in the army before a second edition came out, but anyway, but we drifted away from it. And and when I look back now, I mean, I play D and D and I play OSR games cause that's what everybody plays, but they're not my favorite games and they're not my favorite systems to play. So, so I definitely see what you're saying. That said, there are other games that, you know, I know I really enjoy for the nostalgia value and, and, and I won't try to argue that they're the best design games in the world, and they're and they're the best implementation of those games, but they're still my favorite because I do really enjoy them. You know whether we're talking Top Secret or Boot Hill, or you know things like I I don't know. There's a number of games that fall in that category. I have a you know pr- pretty great love of Tunnels and Trolls, but I'll definitely tell you Tunnels and Trolls is not for everybody. You know the combat is nowhere near tactical enough for most people these days, by any means. Uh, for people that want Attack Combat, Tunnels controls, just, just can't give it to you. So, I, you know, I can recognize design problems in games, usually. I, I mean, definitely there's sometimes I'll blinders on. But it, but I think that's more your argument is the fact that you need to recognize when you're letting nostalgia, you know, make those decisions for you. And and just accept, you know, I have a great love for the TSR era D&D games, especially AD&D First Edition and I, I, I like BX and I like, um, OD and D, but I, I'm not going to tell you they're the greatest design games ever. I, I recognize that they're not, but that doesn't change the fact. I like them. And, and, and I think you can accept both things and, you know, but, and I think that's kind of more where you're going to is to, I, I am curious though, to see, I know you outlined it a little bit before, but down the road is this, as expa- you expand this, you know the series, or, or you know discussion on this topic. I'm curious to see the evaluation of fun, like the objective evaluation of of fun. And I know that's not quite the right words, but the the way you're going to evaluate. It. And you talked about that before, like the time it takes for a move and things like that. So I'm I'm really curious to see how all this pans out, and I'm looking forward to.
0: It. Yeah, I think you've hit on kind of exactly what I'm getting at, Jason. That I I think it is totally possible to be nostalgic for things that are themselves good, um, which is part of what my my point about using The the Lion King as an example is, Is I think The Lion King is, you know, probably the best animated movie ever made. Um, but also, one of the other things that I liked as a kid was a movie called, like, uh, I don't even remember the, the title. I think it's called, like, Fire and Ice or something that was uh an, a 3d animated movie um and it was uh this like it was is it was set in the world of mega blocks dragons which mega blocks for those of you who don't know um were and maybe still are a sort of um similar to Legos but a little less free form and they kind of put more emphasis into like having you know like sculpted specific parts and I had a ton of of uh, Bloks Dragons stuff as a kid because I was really into it and my uh, grandparents kept buying me more shit and all that and it's all in like a great big footlocker uh, in the uh, closet in uh, my old room in my parents house now <laughs> um, and it's probably just an absurd amount of, of stuff if I went back and kind of looked at exactly how much of that stuff I have in there along with other collections of things uh the the carnegie collection dinosaurs that i have so many of that those actually are really cool um i will stand by those even if they're not entirely uh scientifically accurate anymore because of advances in paleontology but those are totally worth it Mega megablocks dragons not as much um anyway absolutely trash movie right i'm sure um as a kid i thought it was great because it's like hell yeah dragons this rocks um and I'm sure that if I went back to it, I would be like, you know, this is, is you know, just complete nonsense and trash and not worth engaging with at all. Um, and that's sort of my, my point, right, is that I don't think nostalgia means that something isn't good. I think that nostalgia is a component in why people like certain things. Um, and that it's important to recognize the difference between, you know, liking something because you're nostalgic for it, and especially, I think, nostalgic for the, uh, the sort of period of your life that it is associated with, because that's one of the things that I think is really strong with, um, for instance, I think part of the reason why I try to wake up early nowadays is because when I was a kid um, in like elementary school, Uh, My parents liked to sleep in on weekends, and so I could wake up early and go play video games on the computer basically all morning until they actually woke up from, you know, like 6 or 7 a.m. until like 10 a.m., right, which was awesome when I was a kid. Um, And then I sort of stopped doing that as I got older, and I suspect part of that has to do with you know the various changes that you go through during puberty, but also the kind of um, growing realization of the sort of early age at which sort of subtle elements of what we would describe as depression started to filter into my life. Um, and that somehow now, like waking up early on the regular feels like it's, it's sort of uh, attached to the, you know, being a a, a happy nine-year-old or 10-year-old and playing video games and having lots of fun somehow, right? Which is to say that, yeah, waking up early is probably a good practice and, you know, waking up early and getting shit done and all that is good, but that's not the only reason that I value it In, in the same way that I think it's important. And I think it's important to distinguish between those... Sources of value if we want to get into especially kind of communicating what things mean, uh, even just communicating to other people what things mean to us, right? To to be kind of self-aware enough to talk about the way in which, you know, some of the things that we care about are not things that we care about because of the thing itself necessarily.
1: Carol and Jason here your your volume levels was be- were better yeah can't speak English properly three 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 b you didn't drop down out and out like you did in the pre- other episodes so I think you, you got that and, and what you were saying is probably all that was so I, I I wouldn't worry about it too much and I look forward with much trepidation to three 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 c because i I realize that's gonna be a potentially contentious and and i'm kind of curious on your comments to what i said but also i some of my comments kind of put me out there a little bit so maybe i shouldn't have made those but it's all good we will see where that takes us anyhow i hope you have a great rest of your day and i will talk to you soon
0: well um, i'm glad that the volume is better 33c is actually out by now of course um And uh, Jason's next call-in is called 333C, as in Charlie. Um, So uh, hopefully, I haven't listened to it yet. I actually haven't listened to, I'm I'm listening to the calls as I put them into what I'm I'm trying to do now so that I don't forget about calls is just put them all into an episode that I just label call-in draft on Anchor. And um, have that be like, you know, they're all there. And when there are sort of enough things to create a call-in show um, that I listen to things and respond to them. Um, and I listen to some things as they come in, um, but not all the time, which is to say um, that I am lazy and get bored and don't uh, maintain process as well as i should and all of that sort of stuff so i haven't listened to jason's comments about my responses in 333c um but i guess we will get into that i'm glad that the volume is better i do think it's probably just related to kind of the orientation of the microphone relative to my kind of head movement and and head facing um i actually kind of in part based on your discussion i went back and um For my YouTube videos, I've been trying to add, you can add uh, timestamps to the description and YouTube will structure um, a whole kind of chapters thing within your video, basically like saying, you know, this is what happens in this section, which is cool, Um, and so I've been kind of watching some things back and realized that my audio was quieter than I had hoped it would be. Um, I think I got it right, and then I made some changes without checking them, Um, especially the kind of uh, noise filter that I am using to try to avoid some of the background noise, I think makes me a little quieter, and um, that that's, uh, you know, uh, normally would be just fine, but is perhaps not as just fine when I already have my audio uh, fairly low to try to avoid being too loud anyway, Um, and that therefore... I am, uh... yeah, I I tinkered with the audio settings a little bit, and I'm going to kind of re-listen to stuff for a little while that I record. I record that through OBS, so that shouldn't affect anything on the podcast, except for the from YouTube episodes, Um, but anyway, kind of tinkering with the audio has got me thinking about it, so thanks for that. Um, Anyway, let's get back to the calls.
1: Aaron finished episode 333C. I I think you did a good job responding to my meanderings. Congratulations. Not always easy to do. And yeah, we'll we'll see. We we've talked a little bit on Discord already. Depending how it pans out, the shared world setting sounds interesting. We'll just have to see where that goes, but I I could definitely see doing something to participate in that. Um, due to my schedule, maybe a solo game. Who knows? But you know, I'll be keeping a close eye on that, and maybe piping an idea or two. We'll we'll see. But take care, and I, I look forward to your next show. Where you selfishly don't play any calls. No, just kidding. I, I I totally understand the issue of having call wanting to talk about something and having a bunch of calls. So I, I look forward to your next episode. Take care. <laughs>
0: Yeah. So uh, thanks Jason for that. Thanks for all the calls on the three, three, three stuff. It's been great. Um, yeah, I, uh, I hope that we can figure out how to do some more of the, the shared setting stuff. I have been uh, a little negligent this week in terms of that. I had some kind of uh, more elaborate plans for kind of getting that up and going. And those have not uh, quite panned out. So um, we'll see. I may end up, I think uh, maybe the, the early part of next week might be a good time to kind of work on uh, laying down some, some more groundwork for that to get it going so that anybody who wants to participate can uh, start uh, uncovering setting because that would be a lot of fun. Um, so yeah.
1: Well, Arlen, I'm going to have to follow your advice and and respond with aggression to the random bullshit at the end of your show. I'm unsubscribing. I'm taking your picture off my wall. You're unfriended. That's how all this works, right? And how the Facebook works. So I'm interested to see how your novel writing weekend goes. You know, keep your chin up. And, you know, if it if it works, great. If you run into some blocks, that's okay. So don't be hard on yourself. I know sometimes you can be, but the, the big thing is you're giving it a shot and you're giving it the you know the old college try, right? So I'm rooting for you. Hang in there and I'll talk to you soon. Hopefully I'll game with you um, Saturday morning. Yeah.
0: Yeah, thanks for that, Jason. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm really excited. It's one of those things. I think I'm, I think among other things that um, one of the things that I have been uh, benefiting from is being um, deliberate about, uh, you know, using kind of Uh, negative experience or negative emotion in a positive way, right? Use the the bad things to make good things happen sort of thing, which is to say, you know, um, rather than like getting demoralized by failure, use that to kind of improve yourself, things like that. Um, I, I One of the phrases that I like to use to describe that is, you know, not throwing good money after bad money, right? Um, the idea of, right, in in, uh, gambling, that's basically the idea of, you know, know when to stop when you're down instead of digging yourself further in the hole. And I think that's kind of exactly one of the things that goes on with me is that I can, um, you know, end up getting demoralized as a result of, you know, making a mistake or something like that and uh, end up hard on myself in a way that is not productive instead of kind of, you know, pushing for Self improvement and all of that, which is productive, right? And so that's sort of what I'm getting at, anyway. So yeah, I'm uh, trying to embrace that. It's uh, not always easy, but uh, good habits rarely are. So um, yeah. Anyway, that's uh, we'll we'll see. I'm I'm going to talk right at the end of the show a little bit about my sort of plan for keeping myself honest. Um, in terms of writing productivity. Um,
2: so yeah. Aloha Arlen, it's Brian. And I I thought I've called in your podcast before, but I know it's been a while or this may be the first time. So anyway, yeah, just wanted to send some messages of support. So these first ones uh, may be Considered bordering on the political and, and health related. So, no need to play them, but just wanted you to know, just in terms of your latest episode, uh, rock them, sock them, write them. I am in full support with you. And at least for me and many others, no shame at all uh, with you putting out the, your stance. And in any case, you're definitely correct in how you may treat potential trolls. But I'm in in, in, my, in my book. Nope, you're right to be out there, and I know people don't want to get too political, but maybe there are some times when you have to say a few things, so that's good. Yeah, I'll probably need to get another message because, I, yeah, I just wanted to comment on yeah, some of the uh, problems you've been having and the problems with, I, I, I have similar to these, and I know symptoms and you know causes vary, but I had horrible hay fever and allergies to ragweed molds, leaves grass everything which frequently got in the way of my yard work but also just being outside and especially specific parts of the year autumn and spring so i'm right there with you it just m- makes you feel one miserable can lead to headaches makes you feel under the weather and <laughs> the older we get it, it, little little flare-ups just seem to affect more so yeah hopefully the new regime works out well for you i I, I mean, I wish I had some advice. Definitely not a doctor. <laughs> I've probably tried everything from shots to medicine that I'm on. Uh, I've had to have surgeries. Um, used to take alfalfa. I don't know. Maybe you want to look into that, but I think a nurse recommended that once when I was little. Didn't actually seem to help. So anyway, hope you feel better, man.
0: Yeah. So uh, thanks, Brian. Always great to hear uh a new caller. I don't remember either if you've called in here or or not, um, but no worries either way. Um, I listen to plenty of things that I don't call into and have terrible habits of going long periods of not calling into people's shows and then leaving, you know, 20 messages for them when I remember to. So that's uh, probably not, uh, the, the most sustainable behavior, but whatever. Um, yeah, allergies are rough. I've, I've been doing quite a bit better recently, although I say that and then today I have been having um, bad allergy symptoms, um, which I, I'm not entirely sure what the cause is, although I have a couple of ideas. Um, in particular, one of the things I've been looking at is the idea of, um, histamine intolerance, which is apparently a, a specific medical condition that happens when your body is sort of always over-suffering from allergies, which I suspect is, um, true for my kind of physical health and also a bunch of the different, um, symptoms of histamine intolerance are things that I thought were just kind of like the way that my body worked, right? Like rashy skin and having a an internal temperature that's too low, right? My uh, resting internal temperature tends to read at like 96 and a half instead of 98.6, which you know, two degrees Fahrenheit is not um, necessarily the end of the world. But uh, right hypothermia hypothermia is at like 94 or lower. So about half of the margin taken up there. So anyway, um, and apparently that's a, a very common um result of this kind of uh histamine intolerance, right? So I uh anyway, and one of the things that can uh affect hist- histamine intolerance is the sort of stuff that you eat and your body's ability to process histamines. Um, which is to say they recommend not drinking alcohol if you're worried about histamine intolerance. And I uh, went over to my parents last night and had a beer with dinner and now feel like I've got worse allergies the next morning. Um, And I don't think that's, you know, hangover symptoms because one beer is hardly enough to get hungover on. uh all that so and also i drank a bunch of water so it's not like anyway point being that i i suspect there's something to that so i guess i need to be a little more uh careful and and cognizant of that sort of stuff perhaps um so anyway yeah um anyway thanks for for calling in yeah i uh I think it's a complicated thing with politics because I, I really do. I mean, I know about myself that I'm someone who really deeply values comfort. Um, which is to say that, you know, I, you know, for, for years and years, I basically wore sweatpants and turtlenecks every day because that's what was comfortable to me. Um, and, uh, so I, I know about myself and I, you know, I like, you know, soft clothes and I've got, you know, heavy blankets that I sleep under because that's comfortable too. And all that. And the point that I'm getting at has to do with the recognizing the value of comfort, but also trying to recognize the value of calculated discomfort in some ways. Um, the way in which, for instance, you know, one of the things I've been finding with uh, exercising regularly is that, you know, Exercise isn't necessarily easy, um, especially if you're you know worn out from whatever or not feeling a hundred percent or anything like that. But it is a sort of good discomfort, often, right? There's like a like a positive discomfort from sore muscles from lifting weights and things like that, and that's good. And that it probably follows that there's some of that to a lot of other things, right? The the value of good discomfort, and that maybe. Um, being kind of, you know, clear and upfront about some level of political stuff, especially, um, certain political things that are, are, um, I think moving from the range of sort of political disagreement and into the range of things like, you know, human rights issues and all of that, um, Right, the difference between a a friendly disagreement between two people over an opinion and between you know a a fundamentally illogical position that is uh, upheld by fanaticism is an important distinction, and that therefore, you know, um, being upfront and talking about it is, I think, uh, a, you know, good discomfort in some ways, um, and also like. I, I changed my logo to a fucking rainbow, right? Guys, it, anybody who doesn't, who hasn't figured out where I stand on a lot of the political stuff is not paying very much attention, right? I, I feel like that's a, a point to be made too, right? That, you know, if you aren't paying enough attention and are, you know, listening with the equivalent of, of like, you know, awareness blinders on, um, and then feel like it's a shock when I talk about how disgusting it is that uh, the Supreme Court uh, is apparently talking about uh, overturning Roe v. Wade after a number of the justices you know, described under oath that Roe v. Wade was settled law and they wouldn't overturn it. And also the nature of like the particular opinion that is out right now that is admittedly a draft, but is just a, an awful piece of argument, right? There's the very little... Um, logical connection between a number of things there's lots of spurious evidence it's it's really not a good um well-crafted argument just on the basis of of being kind of a a, you know a a starting at a logical assumption and then moving logically through the process in order to reach a logical conclusion right It, it just doesn't fit that definition um anyway which is to say that you know if you're not paying enough attention to see where I stand on those sorts of things, then uh, that's on you, I feel like. Um, And not necessarily you as in you, Brian, but I think you know what I mean. You you as in the royal you, anybody who's listening who uh, hasn't figured out where I stand on those sorts of things is uh, not paying attention. And if it comes as a shock when I talk openly about it, well, then, you know, maybe a bit of shock is uh, good for you. All right, that is going to be essentially it for today. Um, I, I thought this was going to go out on a Thursday, but it's actually going to go out on Friday, which big deal. Um, not a not a huge problem, but just a, a fun little um, glitch in the matrix or whatever else you want to call it. Um, yeah, which is to say that I, I got busy with other things when I had planned to be working on this. Um, it is. I uh, have not started the the novella writing project yet, as of the time of recording this, or the time that it goes live, um, because the plan for the Friday period is to start at 1 p.m. and work until about 7 p.m. with you know breaks for uh, you know eating food and all that sort of stuff, stand up and walk around and things like that mixed in. Um, and I I have a sort of idea to do some recording kind of mixed in with that and after it to talk a little bit about kind of the experience of sitting down and writing uh, a whole lot in uh, a relatively brief period of time. So um, anyway, all of that is to say that there may be an episode. If if I end up uh, being able to do that, I'm not sure how I'm gonna do it, if it's gonna be like one episode or two episodes Um, if it's one episode it will probably come out on monday or tuesday of next week if it's two episodes i might release one like uh on uh saturday night or sunday morning kind of halfway through the project to kind of talk about where i'm at at um that moment in particular Um, but i think that'll be I, i think that that level of kind of you know talking about this stuff and uh sort of Inherent accountability that that provides almost is is actually a, a fun thing that is uh, useful for me in many ways. And uh, yeah, so that's sort of that's sort of the plan right now. Um, another episode, either kind of Saturday, late Saturday night or Sunday morning or an episode sometime on Monday or Tuesday about uh, writing a whole lot. Um, which I think will be a a fun project and I'm looking forward to it with uh, a little bit of uh, a a wee bit of anxiety, but a lot more excitement. And I think that's a a good sign, right? So anyway, um, yeah, that is going to be it for me for today. Hope you have enjoyed another call in show. Um, and uh yeah i uh, hope everyone is doing well staying safe staying healthy and having lots of fun gaming um i also uh really hope that uh yeah hope that you you guys enjoy it and uh i've been arlen walker i've been live from pelham's wasteland and i will see you next time take care everybody.